you are looking at the Vice President of Community Creative Consultancy. Juggling 15 sets of balls today. Literally. Guys, Bridget's taking me over my hangout. Why is somebody abandoning me? You have obtained a premium triple-ply toilet paper. Look at my hair. I dyed it because I'm so serious. Hey, Guildies, it's time for another episode of Knights of the Guild podcast. This is episode number 48, and I'm your host, Kenny. Today, we're going to continue with our season six interviews. I was on set for uh, some weekends during the shooting of season six, and I got some great interviews with original cast members as well as new cast members, and I'll be playing those in the upcoming Foreseeable podcast. So let's go ahead and take a listen to who I have lined up for this episode. Get in here with Brett, uh, Mr. Wiggly, uh, Claire's husband, George, isn't George? Yeah, so long yeah, jeez, they just since we said your switched first over name, to Wiggly. Yeah, Wiggly. Yeah, George Bean. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what's it like being back? Because you were not anywhere to be seen in season five. They, I, I didn't think they shot a five. I was, uh, <laughs> yes, we did. We were right from four to six. Yeah, just went four to six. I thought that's how it went. Um, no, it's great. I'm, I'm really happy to be back. Uh, having a lot of fun this year and just, you know, so happy that they, they brought me back. Because, uh, oh man, it's been fun. We did a lot in the last couple of days. Yes, you have. And we're going to start talking about that. So, we'll start with episode one. Yeah, the the uh, Wiggly, you know, trying to keep keep his wife. The same from, Wiggly that we've seen in season yeah, four. Yeah, he's back to his uh, clean cut self, yeah. and uh, you know he's a little little cautious with Clara. You know, she abandoned him for the convention, and, and there's no repercussion. Yeah, he just says, "Oh, I hope you don't do it again." Yeah, he's weak. Yeah, he's, he's always been a What's very weak man. That? Well, um, I think... Or he just truly loves his wife. I think he really does. I think that's the, that's the thing. He loves her dearly and uh, lets her get away with a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, these two definitely should have been in some hardcore counseling a long time ago. <laughs> Hey guys, we're at Zents, and we're going to be discussing Season 6. hey So let's go ahead and start. We're just going to go in order of the episode. So we're going to do Episode 1. Uh, it says, Gildy's help Codex prep for her job. Oh, this is your bruiser. Right. So uh, what was it like having Teddy back? Uh, it was great. Teddy's always a hoot, and uh, last time we had him on, um, the whole I banged your mom scene, specifically. The classic Gildy. Yeah, that one, um, my last experience, that was my last experience with Teddy, yeah. with Bruiser, and I messed up probably at 15, 16 takes in a row just laughing, because he did the line differently every freaking time, and it was hysterical. Yeah. Fortunately, I held my own this time, and um, it was really funny. We had a lot of fun, and... Um, I don't know if you held your own, because you got kicked out of your space. Well, yes. My character was a little little bitch, a t- uh, Bruiser's bitch in this, in this season. He usually is. Um, otherwise, it was a lot of fun. Really great. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, did everything go as planned with that scene? Uh, for the most part, yeah. You know, we had to inhale massive amounts of exhaust. 
I think, you know, I am actually part carbon monoxide now. <laughs> but you did shoot at a different location, because normally your garage... Yeah, my garage. The Blades Cave was originally in Felicia's garage. Which is now the But flock. she's converted that into her Deeds and Sundry studio yeah. for the vlog and whatnot. So we actually um, used Kim's garage. And if you notice, in previous seasons, we sort of revealed that you walk into the garage and you lead straight into his uh, desk. Basically, Blades' yeah. desk faces outside of the garage. This season, it doesn't, because we couldn't do that. Yeah. Different space. So now we have Bruiser coming up from the side. Hopefully no one notices, but now that I've said it, everyone's going to know. So That's I'm good. glad we we'll covered that. Yes. <laughs> Very good. I'm here with Greg Aronowitz, and we're discussing season six of The Guild. Let's first start with the very first thing that uh, Codex sees as she walks through the new job area is that ginormous dragon. Because that, that wasn't supposed dragon. to be a dragon. That was supposed to be a tree. It's supposed to be a tree. I read but, in the script. Yeah, I just, I, um, and then they sometimes find I it. can't tell the difference between <laughs> a tree and a dragon. No, it, it, it's, uh, it was one of those things, you know, that's like a, uh, that defines the, the Felicia, uh, Greg relationship. <laughs> um, the, in the script, she had written it as a tree and the whole, it was like the whole tree hugger type thing and you know Vork trying to take a stand and follow in Madeline's footsteps of being like a protester and the chaining to a tree is like a classic thing that we've seen in you know cartoons and movies and on the news sometimes Um, but the location that almost all the locations that had kind of the industrial buildings that we were looking for had no trees so the first concept was like, well, can we bring a tree in, you know? And yeah. we, we called Jackson Shrub and cause they have like giant trees that they bring on stage and stuff. But turns out that, um, you know, you learn something new every day. There's different classes of, uh, fake trees and the class that can support a person being in it requires like it has to be delivered with a crane mm. and it has to like, there's all that, like it was way beyond yeah. just to get the tree there would have basically sunk the, uh, the budget production <laughs> budget. You know? Um, and so then the concept came up of like, well, maybe he changed himself to a statue and, uh, and Felicia was like, oh, well, I guess Greg could just make a giant dragon statue then and just bring that here. And, and that was like what, two, three days before we shot. It was about, <laughs> it was like a week. Was yeah. it a week, really? Yeah. It was like a week. It felt like, because I know we did like the read-through like four days before. It, it was really close, but it, yeah, I would say it was about a week. Because it oh, okay. took, yeah, because, <laughs> so, you know, but that, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I'm honored that she has the faith in me. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's also like, you know, someday, and Felicia, if you're hearing this, I, this is an open invitation, <laughs> I need you to come and like, do a full 24 hour day here in the barnyard to just really understand when you're like, like I encourage her and everyone that I work with to, you know, dream as big as possible and we'll figure out how to make it happen. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think everyone, every filmmaker needs to spend a day in the art department just to really get your bearings. I say when you're like, post, you know, too. yeah, when yeah. people are just like, oh, well, like, I don't know, just fill that bar with beer bottles. Like, just get me like a thousand <laughs> beer bottles. Like, oh, we're rolling in 20 minutes. And it's like, yeah, um, it, it's possible. It's, you know, so, but of course, you know, it's Felicia Day and I can't say no. I am, I'm. Can you make her a Dremel damsel? <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The the entire dragon needed to be dremeled, so she would have never she would have never survived. The but I am a slave to Felicia, so you know a giant dragon. Uh, thus, there was. But um, but it's not just a dragon; it had to be structurally sound, yeah. so a person could sit on top of it. And not only a person, well, but Jeff Lewis, yeah. which, you know, like I don't know, <laughs> Jeff Lewis combined with anything is dangerous. You know, <laughs> any kind of prop, or you know, g- giving him a plastic sword is scary enough. <laughs> giving him a ten foot dragon to climb up on. Um, you know, so we had to have all these safety features. It was like like a Vovo. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that we had to start with a welded steel cage that can support him. So um, I basically just drew up a, you know, a really loose plan of what I thought the dragon might be. And Mazin just started welding like crazy and... And then we just put like hundreds of uh, pounds of foam on there. And then the time was running short. So in order to speed things up, I just went and bought some chainsaws and, uh, you know, just started chainsawing it. Yeah. And just kind of found the dragon in there and and made it work. You did that personally? Yeah. There was, uh, there were a couple guys. um, Springsteen was on there. (laughs) And uh, Justin, his name is Justin, but he looks exactly like Bruce Springsteen, 1977. So it's, uh, um, and yeah, different people like floated in and out, like chipping away. But then I kind of jumped in there and like, uh, chainsawed out the, the anatomy and the face and, um, you know, and then we had to, uh, paint it and I made it really big. And of course, you know, it's the same thing, like. Everyone involved is talking about like, oh, we need this big statue, and then you know, and I build it, and people are like, what? That's really big, you know. But but it's when I work on these projects, it's always like you know, I'm part uh, designer, but then I always have like my director hat on, and I read the script, and it seemed like very clear that there was this separation between Vork and the rest of the world. Like he was like above them, and mm-hmm. it was like you know, when security comes up, and when Madeline is, you know, he's looking at Madeline with binoculars, and so I didn't want him to be like a foot taller. Like I didn't want it to be a dragon that looked like one of those coin-operated rides you put kids on outside <laughs> of uh, the grocery stores. Yeah, like I wanted it to have a presence, and um. You know, it was a challenge, but I'd say the biggest challenge was we built it out in the front yard here. But then, about three o'clock in the morning, we were finished. It needed to be on set at six a.m. and getting it down the driveway (laughs) was was not an easy task. And it turns out that I have these trees with limbs that cut across about two feet lower than the highest point of the dragon. Cause by the time the dragon is done, he's about 12 feet high. Yeah. And, um, but he's also like 10 foot wide. So there was no way to like turn him on his side or, so I'm like up on this ladder with a chainsaw at three o'clock in the morning, like Ooh, I'm <laughs> next sure to my neighbor. Your neighbors window, love that. Like, trying to do like <laughs> short bursts. They were not happy, but you know, I mean the show must go on. So. Of course. Listen, my other neighbor has kids that have a band, and so you know they're out there at two in the morning, you know, banging on the drums. I'm turning into that like that old man. It's like you kids and your Neil Sedaka records, you know. But um, 
Uh, <laughs> so it's like, you know, some random uh, chainsawing in the middle of the night. It wasn't like I cut down a whole tree. It was just a few key limbs to uh, release the dragon. Well, they, they were somewhat they were somewhat important. Otherwise, they would never. Uh, and then they were like tangled in the power line. It was a it was a nightmare, and I was like so tired, and I just wanted to get this dragon down there safely. Um, yeah, no, it was not easy. But now that dragon sits in the uh, front of my driveway right as kind of a, a warning to ward off all the angry neighbors. <laughs> you know, do not mess with the dragon or there will be more chainsawing. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, let's see. What else? Uh, the next big thing that we see is the other dragon. <laughs> when they open How many the dragons door. are there in this show? <laughs> and that was a question. So Felicia definitely wanted a, a big dragon. Originally, she wanted a big dragon statue in the office and the idea was Codex opens up the doors and steps in and is confronted with this dragon and the inspiration for that was uh, Blizzard and and BlizzCon and for anyone who hasn't been to to BlizzCon they have not only do they have like banks and banks of thousands of computers to for people to play you know World of Warcraft and stuff but they have around the convention center these giant epic statues of the characters from their various games and Felicia's like, I really want one of those. So my a friend of mine actually creates those, Steve Wang. And um, not only is he like one of the greatest sculptors in the industry, but he also gets like a quarter of a million dollars per <laughs> statue. And I mean, they're exquisite. They're yeah. like, you know, I would kill to have one of those things at, at my house. But um, so, you know, when it's just like, oh, like we just want one of those, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, so that was the original idea. And then when the tree issue came up, the big statue got moved outside. And I decided to, instead of going with the blizzardy kind of like super detailed thing, that I would go for more of like one of those kind of corporate art pieces where it's just like a big bronze chunk of something. Yeah. You know, and they call it art and someone gets paid more to do that than, <laughs> you know, I get my entire career, you know, painting uh Whatever. So, I'm not bitter or anything, but you know what I mean? It's just like, it's like, I think that's a bunch of metal that's stuck in a shape and maybe resembles something related to this company, Johnson & Johnson or whatever it is behind there. I think, it, is that a Band-Aid? Is that a giant bronze Band-Aid? Um, yes. But, so we went that direction. So inside, it was like, Felicia was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll make a compromise. We'll put the big dragon outside. We'll come up with something that's more affordable inside. And one of the ideas was like a big sign that said the game. Um, I know, there was a bunch of ideas, but in the end, it was like the concept of her coming in and being startled. Yeah. And then later on, like the, the guildies show up and they are supposed to interact. I'm like, you can't really interact with a sign. Yeah. But then I remembered, I'm like, you know what? I've done this giant dragon thing before. And coincidentally, on season five, um, the guys from Cypher who do the, the Lambeth of Jareth um, needed they came and helped us to do the steampunk booth and they needed a favor in return for the ball so I made this giant dragon for them like it's like I don't want to call it animatronic but it's like a pulley operated yeah. kind of mechanical thing um, and it's uh, yeah his name is Sparkles <laughs> yeah. 
Sparkles the sparkle. Sparkles the Dragon. And so um, they had just done some extra stuff to it for the ball that was like the month prior and um, made it like even more spectacular and sparkly. And I so it was on my mind that it was out there. So I called him up and said, hey, do you mind if we, you know, it's like this never ending cycle of favors. I'm like, can I borrow <laughs> that back? For the guild. And so um, Sean Strider and the whole team came down. And they like reassembled it and put that in there. And then, uh, you know, a bunch of people ended up puppeteering it. And But it was kind of like, I don't know. My, my whole philosophy was if I was a guy that created a game because I was into dungeons and dragons and all this kind of stuff. And then suddenly had a bunch of money. Um you know, that's the kind of stuff I would have in the office. It's like a giant dragon, and so luck. It worked out that we, you know, we got both dragons in there just because. It was, you know, I guess Sparkles is, you know, he is a family member she. of the guild. He, she. <laughs> hey, when I was sculpting it, it was a boy. I, you know, and, you know, oh, but then they made her a girl. Well, I guess dragons can do that. You know, it's, it's a, it, has to sit inside her. It's a, it's a it's a costly operation. But, so okay, well she is part of the family because you know she was born of the guild, so it makes sense. Yes, that, uh, she would stay with the guild. Cool. I'm here with Robin. We're live on the set of season six, as you can hear uh, behind us. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what's it like being back on set? It's awesome. It's, uh, it's you know, it's like old times, and oh, it's a lot of fun. Cool. So we're going to go episode by episode. Okay. So we're going to start with episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where it says Guildies help critics prep for a new jobs. So this is when you're on the computer. Yeah, this is uh, when we did our individual um, webcam. webcam stuff. Yeah, and, does that ever get easy? No. Talking to a camera? No, no, like definitely. No not. one? Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's probably Looking the right into the camera? I know. It's probably the hardest thing uh, for me, anyways. Um, just because you don't have any uh, anyone to react with, you know? Yeah. But uh, it's it's still it's still a good time. And that, that room in my office, Claire's office, is just a little hot box. And the past <laughs> yes. few days have been, like, you know, abnormally, yeah. ridiculously hot. So yeah, yeah. It's been uh, interesting. <laughs> Cool. Now uh, we see your kids again. Mm-hmm. Um, they look a little different. They do. They do. They are. Uh, uh, Blake is played by uh, now is played by Jeffrey's um, son, his son mm-hmm. Harry, who's absolutely adorable. And I actually not sure who plays. It's uh, our yeah. It's our uh, wardrobe, Kristen's niece. Oh, okay, Kristen. And then there's another. We had two Gabbies. Yes. Just to see which one. I'm not sure who. Yeah, so I don't remember. Which I don't remember who I worked with. Right. But they were good. Oh, they were absolutely adorable. Yeah. Really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously the real Gabby uh, and Blake have They're like 45 minutes. Yeah, they've outgrown their roles. Yeah. So they were recast. I think Harry is younger than when Blake first started, which is really funny. (laughs) He's, yeah, he's My kids get younger and younger. It's really... That's really hilarious. I don't have my... Cool. I am here with Alin, uh, also known as Red Five. She we she we she we. <laughs> <laughs> she was the art director for season six, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi. 
And, well, actually, you're not new to the guild because you helped out with season five. I was the art director on season five, yeah. too. Yeah. But so. that was my first guild project. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so sort of new. Yes. So uh, how early do you get the scripts and you have to start sorting all that out? Um, <laughs> this time we didn't get the script that soon. We got it pretty or that early. We got it pretty close to when we started shooting, but everything was kind of, it was like right after Comic-Con, so everything was really tight into the schedule to be like, all right, we got to shoot by this date, and mm-hmm. here's a script. And it wasn't the final script. Like, yeah. we, you know, Felicia tweeted about that, you know, the day before we started shooting. She's like, oh, I have the final script for <laughs> season six of the Guild. So we got a draft, and we were working off of that, and then... You know, it changed. It didn't change a whole lot. There was a couple things. Yeah, not for you, but uh, yeah, um, it was mostly like dialogue yeah, stuff, and yeah. then a couple clarifications. And there were a couple prop changes that happened to us, you know, as it went. Uh-huh. But like the restaurant buzzer, and you know, the things that they just called last minute, and we're like, hey, yeah, can we get this? <laughs> but everything else was pretty much set. You know, the key things of it being. Um, this new game release and having, you know, the underwater bar and being in the office and stuff. That was all yeah. in there from, well, being in-game and being in the office was in there from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the, the gaming office because that was a huge set. And was it completely bare? And you guys dress it from top to bottom? Yeah. When we went into the office, there was some artwork that they had in there beforehand that was just, um, you know... I don't know if it was someone in the office had painted them. It kind of sounded like someone who worked in there had yeah. done all the art. And Did we put that back? Yes, we put that back. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember hiding some of that behind a filing cabinet, and I'm like, oh. Oh, no. We, had, we put it all back, and we had um, one of the guys who owns or was like yeah, in the owner. the owner of the building like came in and was like oh yeah that painting goes there and that one goes mm. there and that one goes there and that was super helpful yeah. because in all of the mad rush to just get everything set we hadn't like documented where everything and, yeah. went yeah. so it was super helpful to not just be relying on like our memory which you know I have a pretty good visual memory it's yeah. how I remember where all of our stuff is like at the barnyard but after all of the you know, craziness. It was a little more than I could remember in yeah. great detail. Yeah, yeah. But it was pretty barren. We had, there was no cubicles in there. There was no desks. And, I mean, there was a couple desks. There was the one that's in Codex's office existed. Mm-hmm. The one in Floyd's office existed. And the one in um, Donovan's office existed. But that was pretty much the only furniture that was there. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, you, so you guys built really, the cubicles, really mm-hmm. the, you know, I mean, all the props, all the chairs. We brought you know, in the all giant of... table with uh, the designs on it. The really cool. The big table that we had, like all of the, um, what was it? Warhammer 30K, right? All of those pieces we borrowed from the Game Ogre. Um, okay. Because one of our Guild of Extras, um, Jennifer, works there. And so she talked to her boss and helped hook us up with some really cool pieces that just kind of made it, you know... Yeah. Look more interesting and it looked more game-like than yeah. I think if we just had, you know... Yeah, yeah. But you, got, you built all those glass shelves? Uh, the display cases and stuff were actually stuff that we bought for Season 5. They were in the game booth and then we brought them back and used them in the game office. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
totally appropriate. And I feel like that's something a lot of indie game companies would actually do. Yeah. Is just take the stuff from their own office and put it out there. Um, but then we built the cubicles from scratch because the place where we had them, there's like stairs on either side of it and we had to fit around them. So there's one cubicle that's got a really weird notch cut out of it so it can fit around a staircase. Uh-huh. Um, and, but we had to build it to match this like corrugated plastic wall that was all over in the office and which you really don't see that much of by the time we were done dressing it. You yeah. kind of see some bare expanses of it, but not a whole lot. Yeah. So how long does it take for you to dress that place? Um, for shoot? It took us about a day or half a day to dress where the cubicles were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just installing the cubicles and putting up the weapon rack with all the guildy weapons. And, um, Which is a nice little Easter egg for people. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple other weapons in there from uh, Dragon Age, if you know what you're looking for. Yeah. And, um, so getting that in, getting the banners hung up, and then the main obstacle was getting, uh, Codex's cubicle, or Roy slash Codex's cubicle dressed, and getting all the artwork in there, and then on the wall behind it, just so that that area really looked, like, art-intensive, like he just kind of exploded all of his design stuff everywhere, and it kind of looked like where Greg works. (laughs) 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 I think that was the most inspiration that we pulled for that was hmm, if greg had a cubicle what would, what it, would it be like? <laughs> <laughs> with less star wars yes yes <laughs> but still a giant struzen piece <laughs> and a 44 ounce soda yes very cool um let's talk about the big dragon the outside dragon? the outside dragon yes because actually... I thought the benches were there, and it, somehow you guys made this dragon fit, to fit perfectly within. Because <laughs> those benches look like they'd been there for years. Uh, the um, the dragon outside was the changeover from the big tree, which was originally supposed to be a tree with a bench around it. Yeah. And, you know, no one had that. So we were kind of always going to have to build a bench around something. something. Yeah. Um, but then when we did the dragon... It was basically like we have to figure out what the footprint of the dragon is going to be and then build these benches around it. And, like, I don't remember if we took the measurements after we put the foam on or if we just started with the measurement of what the steel frame underneath it was. But I, the way that it fits together is so perfect that I'm like, I'm not really sure <laughs> how that happened. Because <laughs> there's not a gap. Like, no. I would have... I don't know. I'm just like, if so you're I said, just going to put like it on the, there, I'd it imagine was... like just one spot <laughs> won't be perfect. <laughs> it's called luck. <laughs> no, it, no, I was thoroughly impressed because that was one of the things that I really wasn't as involved on because we started working on that um, after the change came to make it into this dragon. We kind of started working on that right away. But we started shooting yeah. while that was happening, too. So I was on set every day, and that was being worked on at the barnyard. But, like, I'd go to set in the morning, and I'd come back to the barnyard every night, and it would just look totally different. Like, uh, yeah. this huge chunk of progress would have been done throughout the day. And I'm like, oh, yesterday it just kind of looked like a bunch of metal bars. Yeah. Today it looks like a bunch of metal bar- bars covered in some chicken wire and some foam. And then, you know, the next day it, like looked like it had a dragon on it and it yeah. had rock and it was yeah. it was a cool thing to just like catch the snippets of yeah you should have done a time lapse of it though that would have been really cool 
<laughs> that would have been and cool. It, yeah, there's no time to do the time lapse, but it would have been really cool, and you would have got to see what it looks like when it snows at the barnyard, um, which happens infrequently. But when we have large foam <laughs> sculptures, it just is a massive snowfall. Yeah, very wow. cool. Um, let's talk about the cubicle. Um, because there are a million pictures now, where did you obviously know about, you know, Drew's painting, Mm -hmm. uh, but everything else, because you can't have copyright stuff. So this is all personal, private, your own creation, stuff you found online. A lot of the stuff that we have in that cubicle is, um, stuff that we got from artists that we've met, you know, through different conventions and just through being fans of the show and, um, we asked them if we could use their art and they gave us a bunch of prints and some of them gave us sculptures and we were just like, we um, when we reached out to people, we were telling them we wanted to do like a gaming office and we were looking for creatures. And my big thing was I wanted stuff with a lot of color. So we wound up with, um, these dinosaur sculptures from uh, David Silva that are incredibly colored, like not colors that you imagined you'd see on dinosaurs, Mm -hmm. like ones like bright blue with a bright green sail. Um, because we got two Dimetrodons, which were almost the same sculpture, just very different colors. Mm-hmm. But they're my favorite things ever. The blue and the green one is, like, I want it in my room. <laughs> it's just so cool looking. Um, but we got stuff from him. We got stuff from Neil Wynn and Monty Moore. Who else did we get pieces from? I'm so bad with names. Uh, the Brothers. And we got stuff from the Shiflet Brothers, which is not actually in the cubicle, but it's in... The main office, like in the glass cases, we've got, um, I think pretty much everything that we got from them wound up in those cases just because they were A, very large, and B, they were um, bronzes, so they were very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least for that cubicle, like I was saying, I wanted a lot of color in there. And, you know, the bronzes were amazing, and we got to put them in a couple different places just so that you could really see them. Mm-hmm. But they're not, you know, bright and colorful pieces they're yeah. bronze yeah <laughs> yeah and we got stuff from think geek so there's like in that cubicle there's the big t-rex head um we've got a cupcake stress ball and a couple light things in there yeah we got a bunch of stuff from them which we got to put everywhere and a lot of it's in the zabu's cubicle mm-hmm so his cubicle is basically like if you could go and get anything you wanted from Think Geek, it's you're, it's there. It's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was a cool bonus of just having a bunch of really cool nerdy things that we were totally allowed to use and yeah. didn't have to Makes freak your job out easier. and hide. Yeah, it just was so much easier to be like, oh, I like this thing. Let's just put it there and not worry about yeah if yeah. we're even allowed to show it or yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and all the art supplies are Greg's. <laughs> so it made it very difficult to be working on stuff when like he was working on at the time the um the boobed barbarian figures. <laughs> the boobarian figure and um the witch with a man package. And he needed to paint at least, you know, get rough colors on some of the not hero ones, but on the hero ones he needed a full paint job. Yeah. And the paints were on set, 
and he was at the barnyard. <laughs> so it was basically like every day when we'd pack up at the, we'd wrap for the day, and I'd have to go into the set and pull out his markers and pull out his paints and bring them home, and then put them back in the van and bring them back the next morning. Um, but we only shot in the cubicle for a couple of days, and then they kind of got to come back yeah. here just so that you know Greg was not without his tools. Yeah, there was a couple times where people were like, oh, we need to make like a sign to tell people not to put their stuff here, you know, yeah. whatever. And I was like, oh, we'll just grab one of the markers out of the cubicle. And I'm like, uh, no, because <laughs> they're Copics and Copics are about $20 for one marker mm. instead of, you know, $20 for yeah. 30 markers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like if you need it, I have sharpies. I'll give you my sharpie that cost a dollar fifty. You can't have that that twenty dollar marker just because. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed those interviews. Had a great time on set. It was so much fun talking to everyone and getting the behind the scenes of season six. So be sure to follow us on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash Knights of the Guild. You can also follow Knights of the Guild on Twitter at Knights of the Guild. There is no the. You can follow me, Kenny, the host, at Geeky Fanboy. We're also on Stitcher Radio now. So if you go to Stitcher Radio, download the app, and type in Knights of the Guild, you can listen to us on any device. It's fantastic. You can check out show notes at knightsoftheguild.com. Over there, I post all sorts of information pertaining to the podcast. Uh, there's also a donation button if you feel inclined to make a donation to help us out. That would be fantastic. If you have any questions for the cast members or for myself, you can send those to knightsoftheguild at gmail.com. We love hearing from our listeners. And one last thing, please go to iTunes and leave us a review, preferably five stars. When you leave us reviews, it throws us into various charts and gives our podcast more exposure. And believe it or not, though the Guild does have millions of viewers, we, the podcast, do not have millions of listeners. So we'd like to change that. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode, episode 48. Until next time, guys, take care. Unlock your inner geek with Geek Therapy, a new web series starring America Young. I need you to make me a geek. Please help me. Let's figure out your GQ, your geek quotient. Can you watch Family Guy and not be confused? It's 30 minutes of a guy fighting a chicken. What's not to understand? The point of this is to find a geekier side of you. Yes, of course. I want this. Watch this in its entirety. Watch it until you can quote it. A firefly. That sounds really hot. Do not abuse this power I have given you, or you will find yourself in a special level of hell. Watch Geek Therapy on Comediva.com. That's comedy plus diva. Comediva, where the funny girls are. That was a scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. 
This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Do you remember playing great PC games like King's Quest, Command & Conquer, and X-Wing? Do you remember spending hours tweaking your config sys and auto-exec bat files to eke out just one more K of conventional memory? If you do, then you may be interested in my show, The Upper Memory Block. Every two weeks, we talk in-depth about a game, game series, company, or technology from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. We'll discuss the story, gameplay, and technology of the games of the time. But more importantly, we're going to focus on what made each game special, interesting stories from their development, and how they shaped what PC gaming is today. If you remember gaming in the late 80s and early 90s, or you're interested in finding out more about it, come join your host Joe in the Upper Memory Block. That's the Upper Memory Block Podcast at umbcast.com, or find it on iTunes. Knights of the Guild Podcast is a geeky fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative, works 3.0 United States license. All rights reserved.